This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others, and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hey friends, and welcome to the Worth Your Time podcast. I'm your host, Erica Anderson. I'm a Christian freelance writer, mom of two littles, and I'm passionate about helping you live out your best and deepest faith in everyday life. On this podcast, you'll hear from inspiring women, moms, and ministry leaders, authors, and more. Those on mission for God with a message to inspire you in your Christian walk, wherever that may be. Each month, I send out interviews, tips, book reviews, and exclusive giveaways to my email list. If you'd like to receive these things, just head to my website, ericaanderson.com, and sign up. My new book, Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women, comes out this January, and I want you to be the first to know all the details. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Worth Your Time Podcast. I'm your host, Erica Anderson, and today I'm talking with my new friend, Monica Ritchie. Monica, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. Yeah, so Monica was one of the first um, folks I connected with on Christian TikTok, um, which has been really fun. I don't, I know I've, I've kind of mentioned it before, but I got into TikTok earlier this year, and I had, I had been putting it off for so long, and I finally dove in and actually had a really good time with it. It's, it's pretty fun most of the time. Um, and just, there was a few folks that kept showing up and, you know, I kind of started following and they started following me and Monica has been one of my favorite ones. And so I followed her over to Instagram and then I was like, well, I like her so much. I just want to have her on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I love following you too. And TikTok, TikTok is fairly new for me too, just in the last few months here. And I feel like I used it before to, and maybe you can relate to this, but just kind of used it for sounds. Like I didn't know, I don't know. I didn't know that people were actually like, this sounds kind of funny, but maybe being more serious over there, but there is a serious side to TikTok. And it's so interesting to compare TikTok to Instagram and all those things, because I started over on Instagram, but anyway, so Yes, love following you, and it's great to great to be chatting in person. Yes, I, I actually I got like a training from something that I'm in, and basically the title of this girl's training was "You Don't Have to Dance on TikTok," and I was like, "Well, I'm really not going to." So, but you're <laughs> right. There is a extremely like there is a very serious segment of people, and a lot of accounts are simply just talking, which is mostly what I do and mostly what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been interesting and it is a really fast growing platform. But before we, you know, get back yeah, yeah, yeah. to TikTok talk, tell us about yourself and, you know, where you where you live, who your family is, what you do. Sure. So uh, my name is Monica and I am born and raised Minnesota girl. Um, we, like we were just talking about, a lot of people can hear that in my accent and, <laughs> and I just, I just can't help it. It's, it's deep, <laughs> deeply rooted in there. Um, so married to my high school sweetheart, we've been married for 15 years and then we have two little girls. So they are 12 and 10 this year. Um, and I, I always tell people that I stay home full time and that I'm a stay at home mom. Um, but then I was 
saying that to somebody and my friend was like, Monica, that's actually not true. <laughs> like, you, actually, you actually work quite a bit and work, work quite, quite hard. Um, so she said, you know, not that um, a stay at home mom doesn't work hard. Of course, we work very, very hard. Um, but she's like, but you do more. Um, so I do work in bringing Christian content to online spaces. And I call myself just a Christian content creator. That's what I do. Um, I write devotional segments for our local Christian radio station, and I'm on there approximately once a week or so. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I had seen that you put that up. So how did that end up happening? And, and how did you get that? You know, that is just as cliche as it sounds. That's a very funny um, God story. Uh, but long story short is just that I had posted um, on my Instagram account about a thing that the radio station does that's called drive through difference. And so I had posted it one day on my account and just all it is, is, you know, the idea is when you go to a drive through, you pay for the person behind you drive through difference, brighten their day, all those sorts of wonderful things. Right. And so on my Instagram account, I just said, Hey, comment on this post, what you're thankful for. And I'm going to pick some people throughout the day and I'm just going to send them some Starbucks a gift card. Um, and so that's what I did. And I had tagged the radio station and just said, Hey, I'm doing this online. And they contacted me and wanted to chat about that experience and the feedback that I got uh, from doing that online in an online space uh, that was new. And after that, they asked if I'd like to collaborate more. And I said, why not? Cool. And it's been three and a half years. <laughs> wow. That is so yeah. neat. You just never know when you just start doing stuff that you feel kind of like called to do. Yeah. Um, that's, that's such a great lesson. Cause I feel like I've had similar experiences where you know, I'm just doing something I love to do, doing what I feel God has called me to do. And then it leads to these other things that I didn't even imagine. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I don't know, I'm getting a little too deep on this, but I think it's like, kind of like when you're living at your calling it, it kind of all works out according to plan. Well, you know, it, there's a big backstory with it too, which I will spare you because it will probably be too long, but I will say that going into the radio station and before this point, I was just more of a mommy blogger is what I would consider myself. Um, of course, faith-based has always been there, um, but it wasn't my main focus. And so once I started um, working with the radio station, kind of writing some of these devotionals, posting them online, um, I felt like there was just, and I was doing some different um, Bible study leadership. I was in Bible study fellowship for approximately 10 years in leadership for a number of years. Um, I started feeling like, okay, if I'm going to be speaking into this faith-based space, I need to know what I'm talking about because <laughs> I felt that responsibility too. I mean, I know as a teacher, you're held to a higher standard and I just wanted to really be sure. I mean, I've always been interested in theology as it was, but this was just something that I felt like I, I really need to understand this better. Um, and so that's, that is starting with the radio station is kind of how that trajectory took off. So, yeah. So that's what led you to go to seminary. Essentially. Uh, I mean, essentially, yeah, essentially. Yes. Um, as I was, I, and I, I've told this story before, but I was in church one Sunday and I just felt this still small voice that was unmistakably God who said, I would like you to go to seminary. And I said, okay. And I went and as like short and simple as that was, that's exactly how that happened. Wow. That's so cool. Well, that's one of the reasons I was drawn to your 
account and some of your stuff is because I saw that you were going to seminary. You talk about it. You just graduated. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, you know, and, and of course I, you know, relate to you in that where, you know, we have kids and we're moms and we're doing the faith thing online. Yeah. Um, and it had, you know, crossed my mind, like, man, it would be cool to go to seminary. Like, cause I really just started getting more interested in theology mm-hmm. in the past couple of years. And so I've been digging in as much as I can sort of in a layman's way. Um, so I was going to ask you, you know, you, you talked a little bit about the story, but here you are, you've got kids, you're a mom. It's not really exactly the time that most people go to seminary. So yes. tell us about that. And and did you go in? Was it online? What, what were the details? Yeah. So I had looked at doing uh, an in-person program just because I thought accountability purposes and I'm going to be able to stay on track better, all sorts of different things. I, I thought that I learned better in person. Um, but that wasn't really an option for me. I can't go in the evenings. That's when they had these classes. Um, I wasn't able to go then. And so my really only option for the program that I wanted to do was online only. And it ended up being absolutely wonderful. Um, I just cannot say enough good things about the program that I did, which was the master's in Christian thought from Bethel Seminary here in Minnesota. Um, I did all online um, again, just nothing but wonderful things to say. So, and then COVID hit actually. And so it ended up working out because you would have had to do it anyways. I, online. I, I would have had to do it online anyways, but I thought that the classes were so well-structured. The program is so well-structured. Um, and so of course challenges, because like you said, a mom going to school is any kind of, um, graduate work, postgraduate work is a challenge as you are raising kids, having a family and young kids at that, doing all of these things, it's challenging, it's hard, um, whether that's seminary or not. So, okay, what, did you have classes with other people on Zoom or was it all like siloed by yourself? Uh, a little a little bit of everything and every professor operates differently um, in how they conduct their classroom. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, there was uh, it, it was mostly by myself in terms of each week or perhaps it was every two weeks, um, again, depending on the professor. But it was like, here's all the material that you have to cover. And then here's your assignments per this material. And so you were then given, you know, a week or two to get that done. Um, And so per class for me, and again, I think it's really interesting. I mean, I'm in my 30s. And so I think it's interesting coming into this work in your 30s, because I really, I mean, and not to say that other people didn't, but I just really took this very seriously. My education kind of looks different now than maybe when I was in my 20s and I was going to college for the first time. Um, And so for me, I always tell people per week, it probably took me about 15 hours per week to get all of the reading done that was required, watching the lectures, maybe you're writing a paper. And if you have a larger paper to write, maybe that's more time. Maybe you don't have as many written assignments that week and that would be less time. But on average, that was about where I was at. What are the names of some of the classes that you liked maybe? Uh, I mean... I, I mean, you might know this, but I love hermeneutics. Um, hermeneutics was just such an eye-opening class for me. It's where I 
felt um, it was actually the first class that I took when I went to seminary. And it was during probably like my first month in hermeneutics that I just felt so much assurance that I was mm-hmm. absolutely where I was supposed to be. God just blessed me with just an immense amount of assurance. I feel like he knew I would need that moving forward <laughs> out of hermeneutics. But um, hermeneutics was one of my favorites. And that wasn't a surprise to me that it would be. Um, spiritual formation was actually another one of my favorites. And that one was a little bit more surprising um, to me that it was more of a favorite. I tend not to be as much of like a, let's get into our feelings. Let's understand our, you know, I don't know, this is all, all these different um, formation aspects. Um, but I really, really loved it. Um, one of my favorite books came from that class, which was um, The Return of the Prodigal Son by Henry J. Nguyen. And it is just phenomenal. Um, so that one was an interesting surprise. Um, a couple of the other classes that I loved were the history of the church. Very informative. And like You would really like that one. Yes, I would. Yeah. Um, I loved contextual theology. That one was fascinating. Again, that's kind of moving in that hermeneutical direction. So really enjoyed that a lot. And then I just wrapped up with uh, Christian social ethics, which was another great one. I mean, they're all great. Yeah. See, you're just, everything sounds great to me. I need to go. (laughs) Um. I mean, I always tell people too, like when I started, I just did one class at a time. It wasn't until the last year that I was like, okay, I'm going to do two at a time. I was just telling you, we had renovated our house and everything in this process. And I was like, one class at a time was all that I could handle. And so I stretched out, you know, it's a two-year program that I stretched into three because Hmm. of the way that I did it. So I appreciated the flexibility in that. Yeah, that's really cool. Okay. So can you please define hermeneutics? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So... It's just the interpretational methods used to Mm. interpret scripture is the shorthand of that. Um, And people use different methods. So you're going to have everything from on the literal side where people are interpreting it literal word for word. um, Uh And, you know, you've got philosophical hermeneutics and you can kind of move into some different areas in that. Yeah, because I think it was you commented on one of my videos like way back. And you said something like, I think that you mean hermeneutics and you're saying apologetics. And I was like, maybe I do. Um, and so what, is, is that something you think is easily like confusing or, you know, yeah. what is, how, how can we distinguish between those? Sure. So I think with apologetics, um, what happens is, is you're kind of starting at the end point a lot with apologetics. So you're looking to maybe prove a point position or a doctrine, and then you're taking uh, maybe one or two verses here and there, and you're building a case for it. So that would be more of apologetics. It's defending that specific belief doctrine, you know, situation. Um, with hermeneutics, you're looking at more of the whole and interpreting it as a Um, And so, you know, I always tell people, I know apologetics is really popular. People love apologetics and I get it because they want to be able to defend their faith. And there's, we absolutely should have an answer for why we believe what we believe. Um, But 
I always tell people maybe take a take a deeper look into hermeneutics because you can have a wide spectrum of apologetics, right? So we know that we can come here on Christian TikTok. There is um, Mormon apologetics, Catholic apologetics. Um, so you really can, we need to make sure that we're keeping the verses that we're looking at in their proper context, interpreting them correctly, because the Bible can't mean what it never meant. And so that's what we're doing with hermeneutics is we're interpreting those passages correctly. We can't just pluck them out and be like, oh, this is for defense of this, 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 and this. So mm-hmm. really focusing on interpretation instead. Yeah, I was thinking, okay, so I, I just got this. It's well, I don't think you can see it, but it's like this huge, I got this huge um systematic theology book. And it is like Grudem? I I no, I can't. So I think his last name is Frame. Okay. John, John Frame. I don't know. Um, but anyways, I haven't even like, I'm like scared of it. I haven't even opened it. So it's kind of similar. So in terms of systematic theology, so one thing that is great, and we did, I did study systematic theology um, quite, quite a bit, but you're going to, again, it's similar to apologetics where you can build a system, right? Around your theology based on text. Um, so again, we really want to make sure that we're interpreting those texts correctly because I can pick up a systematic theology book by Grudem and it's going to look different than if I pick up a systematic theology book by maybe someone else. Right. And so I guess, I mean, this is, I guess maybe not, maybe there's not a clear answer to this, but how do, how do you feel like you know that you're doing it right? That is a really good question. So um, one thing that I try to look at is it's called the Wesleyan quadrilateral, um, if you're familiar with that at all. But basically what that does is it takes, um, you're looking at scripture, you're looking at experience, you're looking at science and reason, um, and then you're looking at um, other people's experiences too. And so kind of putting all of those things together. Mm -hmm. So in understanding, so I would... I'm a Christian, um, so I'm going to put scripture maybe at a higher level than I put certain sciences, right? Like perhaps, or not sciences, I shouldn't say that, but I'm not going to live out of a place of say like feelings or reason. Yes, I want to investigate what those are. um, And sorry, science was a bad example, but feelings and reason. But my thing with science is, so maybe if um, science is telling me something different, Science is telling me that we can even use like the creation story as an example. If science is telling me that maybe the world wasn't created in six days, well, maybe I have an error in my interpretation and I can go back and try to understand, okay, what am I missing in terms of scripture? Am I missing, am I reading this wrong in terms of genre? Perhaps it's more, um, you know, not telling me how the earth was created, but instead why it was created. So maybe it's asking a different question. So using this quadrilateral to help me better mm-hmm. understand um, how I'm interpreting scripture. Is, is yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. That's good that, 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 that you have that tool there. And, you know, that's obviously most people aren't going to be like sitting here or doing this all day, but it's good to know that there are methods to kind of be thinking about those things. And I, I don't think we're ever lost for, you know, ways to continue searching and seeking, um, you know, and and feeling like we're on the right, the right path. 
um, you know, I always say, and I don't know, maybe you agree, um, that as long as like, we should be searching for like the truth with a, a pure heart and like praying that God will guide us. I mean, there are some things that there that Christians are always going to disagree on. Like, Absolutely. I mean, there are like awesome, strong Christians and then they and they divide over these like really big things, but that are not the number one thing. Right. And so, um, you know, that's part of, I guess, faith and, and just earnestly seeking God um, and, and looking for those answers mm-hmm. for someone that is, kind of just dipping their toe into the waters of theology. What what would you say is the is a good first move or a good way to just kind of start learning this stuff? Uh, I would always, I mean, my, my, when people ask me that, I always recommend starting out with some sort of hermeneutic. Like there are, and I have some um, resources available on my TikTok page, um, but, and I'm happy to give them to you after you can put them in the show notes, but some books that aren't overly academic that you can start reading about, okay, well, how do I decipher some of this stuff? How do I actually read my Bible better? Um, and so I, I I would recommend some of those resources and reading books. <laughs> Get yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do, do you feel like um, it, it's hard to say just in, historically, but do you feel like we've sort of lost a foundation of theology in, in the West in terms of Christianity these days for, for, for the culture, not saying for the leaders, but yeah. Um, yes, yes. I see what you're saying. Um, and I think that like you had t- touched on before, just in terms of there are those non, um, you know, die for issues that people really die over that aren't necessary to, um, you know, fight and argue over that much. Uh, because I know for me personally, I'm I'm fairly comfortable when people have disagreements or disagree with me. They might not interpret something the way that I do. Um, and I'm comfortable with that. And I think we've lost some of that comfort. And I mm-hmm. think it is surprising then when people come from, you know, certain backgrounds that they're surprised that somebody might believe something different and still call themselves a Christian. It's like, well, you absolutely can because I you know, so I think that, and, and just coming back to social media, like the social media world has just opened up a can of worms for a lot of people. And it's the first time that they're hearing about some of these different interpretations. Yeah. That that's either really freeing or it's really hard. Um, So, yeah, I think we've kind of lost that ability maybe to work through it and, you know, I mean, to be forward, I have had people tell me that my wrestling with issues um, is blatant disobedience. And I'm like, absolutely not. No, wrestling is a wonderful thing. Please mm-hmm. take questions to God and wrestle with him. Like, read the Bible, read um, the history. And I forgot history when I was talking about the Wesleyan quadrilateral, but looking at different questions. Right. Um, look at what history talks about. Like, go, go there. Do yeah. your work. It's worth it. It's wonderful. Yeah, totally. Um, one of the things that I, you know, hadn't thought a lot about really, like I've always been sort of one of these people that was like, yeah, you know, you mentioned creation. I, I was always kind of like, I don't really know. You know, I-, I-, I believe God made the world. I don't really know how it happened. Um, you know, my history book says that the world is billions of years old. 
the Bible, you know, doesn't say <laughs> a lot of people say it's like 20,000 years old. That seems not possible. Um, and so I've just sort of been one of those people where I've just been like, eh, whatever, I don't care. But, you know, I started reading more about some of these um, theological differences. And, you know, you've got the young earth people and you've got the old earth people and you got Christians on both sides of those. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was interesting that I have heard people truly like make arguments that they like have left the faith because they were told like, you have to believe that the earth is 15, 20,000 years old, you know, because that's the only way to believe and come to find out that that's not true. You don't have to believe that. (laughs) Um, You can, if you come to that conclusion, there are people that have, I think, you know, arguments that make some sense there. Um, you know, I would place myself not in that group, but um, but it's crazy to me how many answers there are to questions mm-hmm. um, that are possible. That, and the same right. for eschatology. I mean, you have a wide range of eschatological viewpoints. And um, again, it's just one of those things where somebody might not be comfortable with my view. But, you know, I mean, we have to learn to live in those those tensions and those differences, too. Yeah. And, and the, I've really thought a lot about the God and science thing in the past couple of years. I I have a a chapter in my book that is sort of dedicated to that because I had heard from close friends and family that they, you know, those were the things that they were wrestling with. And I was like, but like, check this out. Like some of the most famous, important scientists of all time were like faithful believers. Mm -hmm. And here's what they said about it. And then I'm reading books that Um, you know, are just talking about, you know, the evidence for God, you know, and how God and science are really compatible. And so um, I don't know, that's just been a really big passion of mine to sort of get it out there and talk about how this all works together and how, um, you know, there's never any reason to think that there isn't, you know, further information that you can investigate, um, or that you can, um, intertwine your theology with some of these things that you're struggling with. And so that's why I think it's so important that people are learning about theology. Yeah. And there's resources. There's so many resources out there of brilliant minds that are, you know, like you said, Christian thinkers and even non-Christian thinkers and learning um, what they're saying so that you can feel peace and settled in your faith. There are options for you. Yeah. And I I wrote something earlier this year about the loss of, um, what's the word, I guess, Christian education within even the church. Like we've, we've got people, we go to church, but like we're missing the Sunday school component. We're missing the piece in a lot of churches where you would go to church and then you would go to the theology class or whatever. And I think that's something, not everywhere is it missing, but it is missing in a lot of places. And I think that's been a real like detriment to us. Um, we're not educated enough as Christians in our society to, I mean, if you have faith, great, but like you should be able to grasp it and want to know more about it. I think sort of feel hungry for it. Like you and I have. NT Wright has a quote and I I won't say it because I'll say it wrong, but it is basically in terms of it, it says basically do your theology work because that will drive your worship. And I feel like that that's kind of been, you know, my story with seminary, it's been a lot of people 
frankly, were quite worried when I went to seminary because sometimes people call it cemetery because it's I know like, I was going to bring that up next. I was going to oh, say, yeah, well, I heard faith, that. <laughs> yeah, where your faith goes to die. And for me, learning all of these different things um, just really exploded my worship. Um, so I, I know I, why do you think people, why do you think that happens to people and why didn't it happen to you? Well, I think it happens to people because they're exposed to so many different thoughts and so many different options. Um, and they don't know how to reconcile that with the God that they thought they knew. Um, Mm. and I think for me, so uh, maybe you've heard me say this before, but one of the practices that I had ages ago, I, I guess, gosh, it must've been like a decade ago. God put it on my heart as I was continuing to study his word more in depth, but I, I felt that he had put it on my heart to, as I was reading scripture and keep in mind, I didn't have a lot of outside influence at this time. There wasn't social media speaking into my Bible reading. I didn't know the word hermeneutics. I just read, um, but to write down his character as I read, what did I see? And he told me, I want you to ask the question, who am I? Who is God? Um, And so that's what I would do. I would write down um, the characters of God as I read scripture. And for me, then going through systematic theology, where you're learning so many different options, where you're looking at church history, where you're seeing so many different thoughts come, um, I had this foundation of this is the God I know. This is the God I love. And he can remain mysterious. So keeping those two things, I think for me um, in step, this is who I know, yet he can remain mysterious. And I give him room for that um, allowed, I think, me to keep my faith intact as I went through the, the process. Yeah, I guess that makes sense if you go into seminary and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this isn't like settled science, so to speak. Yeah. I thought everyone believed that. And, um, and I think and keeping yeah, that, I mean, I know, you know, keeping an open mind to what are your ecumenical truths? What are you holding on to that defines your faith? Um, and then what outside of that can be held with uncertainty? Are you comfortable in that? You you have to be kind of comfortable in the gray area because there there is some. Yeah, and I've noticed myself like, you know, I've got, as I've gotten more deeply into theology and, and trying to understand this stuff in apologetics, like I've, I've noticed myself being drawn to people that seem more certain. <laughs> um, and I found myself getting a little uncomfortable with that. Like, yeah, you know, I'm pretty conservative, obviously. Um, and so I align really well with those people, but there are certain personality types that are, are so certain that it's almost like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I am there to that point. And I don't really want to be because you, then you're kind of boxing yourself in. Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, it's a little scary to be too open-minded because yeah. you don't want to become, you know, totally like, yeah, it's like, whatever, man, <laughs> type of person. I remember, so I used this story actually in one of my papers, um, just 
about when I was serving in children's ministry. And I remember I was with toddlers and we had to take the group of toddlers from the classroom to the snack room, which is like, you know, with toddlers, that's a big, it can be a big ordeal when you've got 15 to 20 toddlers. So what they did is they had a rope and they would have Peter hold the rope and then all the kids would come and grab on and they had to hold the rope as they walked down the hallway. And I was absolutely hysterical as I walked behind them because this rope was just like snaking all over the hallway, back and forth. Kids were falling, tripping over each other, but they <laughs> held on to that rope. And sometimes I feel like that's what we look like as Christians is we're holding on to the vine and we are just like <laughs> stumbling through and, but we're all holding on. So it's like, you just hold on to those truths that you know are true, but we're gonna um, weave back and forth, maybe stumble along the way. But keep holding on to the the vine there. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I because I, I think I am. It's just something I'm starting to evaluate and think about more. And like, where am I really going to land on this? Because um, I think it's just a, it. I mean, it's truth is truth, but it is a personal like journey of exploration when you're trying to figure this stuff out. Um, and I think just leading with prayer and trusting God to lead you in the right way. Um, but don't do it without prayer. (laughs) And I have just learned to approach theology with such humility. Studying theology is a Mm. humbling humbling experience. Um, And the weight of it at moments can feel a bit overwhelming. Um, And I still, I mean, I struggle with those feelings of overwhelming, just how much information it all is. And, um, you know, you do want to make sure you're getting it right. Yeah best as you humanly can, which requires such a, a posture of humility in and through it all. Mm-hmm. Would, would you say there was anything you came out in the end, like having changed your mind about or think differently about now? <laughs> so many things. <laughs> and to be, to be completely honest, I'm still wrestling through a lot of them because a lot of times with these these classes, you're moving so quickly. So it's it's not like you have a lot of time to sit and marinate on a lot of this stuff because you've got another assignment due next week. So you just frankly have to move on. Um, I will say like one of the things that, you know, I, I am settled pretty firmly on that I could say, like, I am not a young earth creationist. So I wouldn't read the story of Genesis in a literal sense. So that's something that I was always told it was literal. But after my personal study, I decided that that's not how that's to be intended to be interpreted mm-hmm. and, and read. Um, so that was just one, just one of the many. And again, one thing about seminary um, is it didn't answer all of my questions. I often say that seminary is a place for people to go who have a lot of questions. I've always had a lot of questions and I will remain to have a lot of questions. Um, So those didn't necessarily get answered by going to seminary, but what it did do is it taught me how to ask better ones. And Mm. so that I can keep going. Um, I still, I still meet with, um, a, a few different professors on a regular basis. I mean, granted, I haven't been out that long, but I've met with them throughout my journey. Um, they're ones that I continue to ask questions to. I have meetings set up into the future with them still because I have more questions. I want to get more clarity. I want to understand better um, about specific topics. So 
Yeah. It's always ongoing. It's a process of sanctification all the way through. And I, I don't think that it ends this side of heaven. Yeah. I, I think the more that you, I don't know, kind of dive deeper into your faith, the more that you want to know this stuff. I mean, I feel like my faith has become stronger than ever in the past couple of years. And I've said that, um, for a number of reasons it has, but as I've done that, it's just like your, <clears throat> like you say, your curiosity grows. You just want to get to know more and more and more about God. Mm-hmm. And so I think everyone is ultimately sort of led this direction because mm-hmm. like, where else are you going to go? Like, <laughs> you know, there's, it's an endless, uh, an endless, so much to learn, so much to learn. And so, and Again, I want to investigate different, yes, all these different topics, right? But then I want to investigate the historical side. There, there's just so many different avenues mm-hmm. and investigate its implications and how it works into our spiritual formation. And there's just so many different ways. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's cool learning about that. Um, I want to switch real quick to um, your kids. So how do you teach them as a, as a parent, like, you want to ground your kids in, in some good stuff, but like, how do you know what to do and, and like not get in, not get into, or, you know, how do you make those decisions? Um, I mean, I mean, on a specific topic or just in general on Bible, well, I guess in terms of, um, theology, like theology, okay, sure. you, you guys go to church. Um, I assume you go to church. Um, and then, you know, are there other things at home that you're doing intentionally to just sort of foster that environment at home? Yeah. So, I mean, my kids have seen, I, and I am always going to be a huge proponent of, um, monkey see monkey do like your kids are gonna you know most likely I mean you have to be living your faith or else I don't know that that's making much of an impact to just bring them to church and forget about church like they have to see you living it um so from a very young age like I said I was involved in some a lot of bible study my kids have seen my bible open 24 7 on our kitchen table like they pretended to lead bible studies as kids like that's what they did because that's what mom did Um, and so I think that that's first and foremost, they've seen me do this and walk this walk. They watched their dad lead youth group for five years. They watched him do all of the things as well. And so, um, that's first and foremost, modeling your faith for your children. Um, and then again, I am, my Bible is open 24 seven. Usually it's on the kitchen counter. It's on the kitchen table. My kids regularly ask me, and we have a really open communication style. What are you reading about? What are you learning about? Uh, my seminary journey is no secret. Um, so they're very aware of what classes I've been taking or even previous to seminary, what Bible studies I'm doing. So I talk about it with them. This is what I'm studying. This is what we're working through right now. Here's some of the questions. Do you want to read some of this with me? Um, and so I distinctly remember like, um, reading through, uh, when, um, Paul was at the murder of Stephen and I was like, I was reading that and I was just like distraught. I was like, just imagining it all. And my daughter was, she walked by and she was like, mom, what, what's going on? Like, what are you reading? I was like, come here and read this with me. And then this is Paul and this, you know, so I'm explaining all of this to her and I'm so excited about it. So then she starts asking questions and then I can, we can talk about it. So, um, so there's that piece with it. 
Um, but also we read the Bible together. So I'm a big proponent of have your kids touch your Bible, have your kids read your Bible, have them find the book of the Bible that you're reading. We've been reading Ruth over the course of the summer, have them find it, have them pick the verse out, like have them physically read it, um, and handle the Bible because it's, it can be an intimidating book. So that's what I'm, my goal is to just make it more approachable. Um, Mm. and so, and then to know that no questions off limits. So You've heard me say this before. I don't lie to my kids. My kids are really understanding that mom doesn't lie. It is just a factual statement in the home. Mom does not lie. So no question is off limits. You have something to ask, ask your mom. Um, and that that works into every area of life. And it, it doesn't stop when we read scripture together. And if I don't know the answer, which even though I've gone to seminary, I don't know all the answers. We can find <laughs> out together and we can look it up. We can do some searching. We can be prayerful about it together. We can wrestle with things together. Like that's, that's what I'm here for. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I love this thought about touching the Bible and reading the passage and making it approachable. That's something I hadn't really thought about outside of the fact that I do make a point to always read my physical Bible, um, not my phone, because I want them to see the Bible. Like sometimes I definitely overthink it. You know, my kids are a little bit younger. They're four and six, but sometimes I overthink it. Like I'm reading the Bible and I'll be like, Hey, Abby, what am I doing right now? (laughs) I have a picture of my daughter on my lap when she was probably like, maybe she was maybe a year old, but I kid you not because it was always out on my kitchen table and she was sitting on my lap at one years old. Yeah. About one. And I have posted this picture on my Instagram before, but she has a pencil in her hand and she is marking up my Bible because that's what mom does. And so Mm. that's just how it, you know, that's what mom does. So that's what she did too. And I didn't scold her for marking up my Bible. I don't care. It's it's beautiful to have my one-year-old's hand or drool all over my Bible. And I think that's another thing too, is yes, our Bibles are precious and lovely, but it is more precious and lovely that dirty little hands are all over them. <laughs> yes. Oh man. I actually just got a new Bible after literally using the same one for like, I, I am embarrassed to say like 20 years. <laughs> um, like since I was a teenager. And um, so my husband got me a new Bible and I was, I, I cracked it. I was like, I don't really want to use it because like, I love my old one. Cause it's like so full of like all this stuff. Um, and I started reading Genesis. I'm like on Genesis chapter two. So I take a drink of my coffee. I thought that the fly that had been buzzing around like was in like in it and I was about to drink it. And I was like, (laughs) I spit all the coffee out all over the Bible on like page two. And I was like, well, that's one way that it's going to start looking worn. It has coffee all over it now. Um, so (laughs) Yep. <laughs> Break it in right away. So yeah, I was I was like, this thing, I can already tell this thing is gonna get broken, like it's gonna be a mess. Like just my kids, they'll just pick it up. Um, but you know what? That's okay. I want them to pick it up. Uh, I want them to see it. And um, I think that's such a such a great advice that you just gave. Um now I wanted to follow it up with um your viral TikTok video the other day. <laughs> where I think what was the title? Five things. I won't do as a theologian raising kids. And then I said girls because I have girls and yeah, different for boys. Yeah. I just want to clarify. 
that the it one was- that ticked everyone off was <laughs> that you said you don't make your kids go to youth group. So tell okay. us about it. And sure. what have you heard from people? Yeah, <laughs> what do you so say? People, people either love that or they hate that. And that's okay. That is one of those things where if you disagree with me on that, I can live with that. Sometimes the other person can't live with it. (laughs) (laughs) I can live with it if you don't fully agree. So my thing is, um, you know, I want my kids to understand that I see them. They are a person. I respect them as a person. I respect them as an individual. Um, And that's what I'm coming to this uh, decision with. Um, And so in terms of not forcing youth group, like I, I, we have tried a number of different ones. We're actually going to try in a new one. Um, but it's more so for me about working with your kids. If they're telling you, mom, something isn't clicking here. I'm not enjoying this. I'm not having, I'm not learning something like me. This is part of our open communication style as well. Okay. Well, let's work together and find something that is a good fit because even as adults, we can understand that we might not click with every church that we go to, right? We don't Mm -hmm. click with every group of people that we meet. Sometimes it might not be a good fit. And so maybe there's another option we can look at. And right. So when we go to church on Sundays, that's a non-negotiable, like you're coming with, this is what we do. Mm -hmm. Youth groups are an extracurricular. We can absolutely work work in this area. I don't what I don't believe that uh, you know, I mean, this is a relationship I'm establishing with my children and I'm helping them establish their relationship with God. And so I'm not forcing it and I don't want to force that. I want to be um I want them to choose Jesus and I genuinely um deeply deeply believe in the power of prayer for my children so deeply. God loves them more than I I do, which is hard to imagine, but I know that that's true. Um, and so when I say I'm not forcing them to go to youth group, I, I, I'll, and, and basically I was just like, we'll work together. Like I'll work with you. I'm your, mm-hmm. I'm your parent. I'm here to help you. I am here to guide you. Um, again, and, and I had, had a follow-up video with some, maybe some tips. Maybe you have a really introverted kid and maybe you could instead like host a smaller Bible study with them, with mm-hmm. some friends or something like that, or, or maybe you host a dinner, maybe you volunteer in a different capacity so they can see, see you fellowshipping. Um, but again, it goes back to that modeling issue too, right? So yes, I pray for community for my children, but are they watching you fellowship with other believers? Are they watching Mm you go to Bible study? Are they watching you host fellowships or attend them or, or those kinds of things? So they're going to be picking up on what you're doing too. Yeah, I can see myself running into this later because, um, well, even now my kids are like, I don't want to go to church sometimes. And um, obviously I'm, we are going to go to church, but you know, I want to approach that. I like your style there in terms of how you're approaching it because and maybe you don't you ask, force it. Right. And maybe cause you, you, you want to establish, I mean, again, we have our non-negotiables, right. But you, you're helping them establish relationship with God and it, Maybe, you know, even for the kids, it's like when we were looking at different churches, you know, we told the kids and mine are a little older. So maybe it does make a difference there. But we had told them like mom and dad are going to make the final decision, but your input matters. So what do you feel like you're 
gaining from this experience? Or are you learning anything? Do you feel safe here? Do you feel comfortable here? Do you feel like there's enough of your peers here? Um, So having, again, an open communication style because we're in a relationship. um, And so, again, mom and dad are going to have the final say, but your opinion matters. You are a person who is respected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so important to remember with kids. I think that a lot of people forget it a lot, that they are people too, and they, their opinions matter. Um, Monica, who are some people that you like to follow or read? um, Or if you've read any good books lately that you could share even? Okay. Um, Man, this is, this is a, a tough question. I am always following different hermeneutical perspectives. I think one of my favorite podcasts that I have been listening to lately is the Bible for normal people. I I saw you posted that today and I was like, Oh, I need to go check that out. It sounds good. You do. You You really do. Um, Okay. And then I wanted to find the other book. I'm sorry. I turned away the other book that I really, really loved recently that was called sacred rhythms. Um, Okay. Having a hard time remembering who it was by sacred rhythms, sacred rhythms. Yep. Um, here it is. Sorry, I had to pull it off my shelf. Ruth Haley Barton, Sacred. Oh, Rhythm. okay. Okay. Yeah. I feel like you would really enjoy this book. Uh, I think that, yes, it's really great. Arranging our lives for spiritual transformation. Really enjoyed it. So highly I recommend. like that. Mm-hmm. That sounds really good. And it sounds really practical too. Very practical advice. Um And I think that it does help you to establish rhythms that help you live out your faith. Um, So, yeah. All right. You're going to have me on Amazon (laughs) buying another book today. I can't stop it. You can get it on Audible, too. I'm a big Audible fan. So uh, you can. You know, I just recorded my audio book this week. Congratulations. So, thanks. So if you feel like listening to it when it comes out, I sure <laughs> it'll will be there. <laughs> I sure will. <clears throat> um, yeah, that's why my voice is like having trouble. Mm, that would make sense. Yeah. <clears throat> 10 hours in the audio studio just reading was, wow. was a lot. It was a lot. Was a lot. <laughs> well, Monica, thank you so much for sharing. It was really interesting to hear your experience in seminary and just like talk with someone else that cares about this stuff. Um, not everybody does. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool to nerd out on theology sometimes. This episode was brought to you in part by just these guys, you know, a pastor and a psychologist team up to break down scripture and psychology empowering you to transform by the renewing of your mind. Listen today at justtheseguys.podbean.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just these guys, you know?